This episode of Ceiling is the Roof is brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. You guys know that Mike and I are already getting excited to watch the Mavs play this season, but you know what I'm even more excited about? Planning my next trip. That's why I wanted to tell you about the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. While you're daydreaming about your next adventure, you could be earning miles every single day. Earn Advantage miles on every purchase and two times the miles at gas stations and restaurants, including takeout, which I know a lot of people are doing right now. Plus, the card comes packed with great travel benefits that will make your next trip even better. You can even earn 50,000 Advantage bonus miles after qualifying purchases. Start earning miles today for all of your adventures to come with the City Advantage Platinum Select card. Head to city.com adventure to learn more and to apply. Ceiling is the roof. It's Mike, it's Bobby, and it is brought to you by City Card, our good friends over there. Man, it feels good to be doing this, honestly. Um, draft season is almost exactly uh, two weeks away, or draft season is here. Draft night is almost two weeks away from this moment. So it's us, it's Ceiling is the Roof, doing a very amateur job of breaking down players that you've seen none of, that we've seen maybe an hour of. So we are experts at this point. <laughs> So, I definitely will uh, jump into Synergy and just load it up, hit play, and let that thing run for, I don't know, Anthony Edwards, I think, had like 650 possessions. So, it took a couple days, but it's fun. It's fun to get to know these players and uh, know what's happening around the league so that whenever they're here and they roll into our town, we can go, oh man, I knew LaMelo Ball was going to be fading off to his left on that jump shot from, you know, 28 feet away. Like, you got a little bit of groundwork for those guys, so... Excited to well, be you here. never know, too. They could end up being on the maps someday. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Second in two weeks, contract, maybe in guys. ten years, but I mean... Yeah, no doubt. But uh, yeah, excited to be here to talk some draft, break down some players, to see what we're going to do this offseason. Um, I guess I'll check in with Bobby, see how he's doing today. How's the vibes, my man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Mike. It is good to be talking about some basketball. Uh, we do no on, on Mavs Daily. We have some stuff, you know, every now and then, kind of like looking back at the season that was. But it's always fun to talk about the future, even though... As we'll talk about, this draft is probably going to be less consequential for the Mavs than the you know couple years ago and the year before that when they were in the lottery. But it is always fun to kind of look at the next generation of talent because you do never know. And depending on what you're looking at on Twitter, maybe the Mavs will be picking higher or maybe they'll be picking lower than where they are right now. So it's just good to be familiar with all of these players because you do just you never know. Or you might not have any draft picks. Yeah, Who maybe knows? not at all. Let's see if we uh, we cash in those those uh, tickets, those putt putt tickets at this point. Um, but yeah, got the Get a nice stuffed giraffe or <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe one of those things that does like crazy projections on your wall. That's like mm. two thousand mm-hmm. tickets. Yeah, and you don't know why you want it, but you want it. Um, yep. All right, so let's promote a few things uh, today. We are talking about the top three players, not in our mind necessarily. Not that I'm qualified to do that, but 
in the minds of uh, ESPN's the board I usually go off of. Our uh, good friends over there, Jonathan Gavoni, um, puts that together. So we'll, we'll work off that. And Mike Smith's as well. Excellent at what they do, and I trust them. So I kind of, you know, I'm not going to watch the 200 players. I want you to watch the 200 players. Tell me who the top 30 are, and I'm going to get familiar with the top 30, right? Uh, second thing we need to promote is on draft night. We will be doing a live stream from 6 p.m. until about 10 minutes after the 31st pick goes off the board to your Dallas Mavericks, most likely. Again, we'll see how it works out. But we're doing a live stream. Uh, I'd love for you to join us on uh, Mavs.com um, or on our app. It'll be streaming in both spots. We'll have Chuck Cooperstein. We'll have Jeff Skin Wade. We'll have Bobito Bobby Corella Bear. We'll Woo-hoo! be the third man. On the table, um, we'll be at the AAC. So I thought that I was getting first billing on that. No, no one ever said that to you ever. Oh, okay, well, especially not in this regard. No, um, but it should be great. It'll be really fun. We'll be at the AAC in the old number seven club. So whenever Rick comes down or Donnie comes down to do his press conference, we'll be right there next to him. Um, maybe get some one on ones. We've got some cool content to roll out that night um, in terms of some draft stories, uh, video pieces that I've been working on, and. Um, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a companion piece to the draft with a uh, significant Mavs slant to it, like you like it, because you're a Mavs fan if you're watching this, hopefully. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about how we, you and I, individually kind of get prepared for the draft every year. Um, last year was obviously, what, 35th pick was our, our first spot, and ended up traded down, so... This is this is an event that shifts dramatically every year if you're a Mavs fan, right? There's either high significance on this part of the season, um, like it is right now, or even two years ago, whenever we got. You might have heard we drafted uh, Luka Doncic, or technically drafted. Uh, no, how? What was the technicality on that night? Did we end up drafting Trey Young, and they end up drafting Luka? Yeah, three yeah, five. The Mavs, and the the Mavs officially after. drafted Trey Young, just like That's they why. drafted Robert Tractor Trailer. <laughs> that's why he has the the hawks hat on and most and a lot of the photos that night um but this year is pretty significant to me i don't know how you feel about it but um so I, I dig in a little bit more i guess is what i'm trying to explain and um sam Vecini from the athletic is a guy i really enjoy reading um his draft coverage we do kind of vary on uh i, I whenever you listen to somebody enough you realize their tendencies or like what they fall for, what they're a sucker for, right? And Sam, Sam and I kind of vary on the usage of, of big men. Like he just loves he loves a good big man, and I'm just like, where are they playing? What are they doing? Um, but how do you how do you get uh, revved up for the draft and get your get your knowledge base started, just so fans can follow? Uh, the main one, honestly, is just talking to Jonathan Sharks over at yep. the Ringer, uh, and he's also a friend of a show, I, maybe this show. He's been on the show. He's been on Ceilings yeah. of the Roof before. I know, yeah. and and he. Came on with us uh, whenever the Mavs drafted Luka that year. I know that was you know the, the biggest draft year probably ever for modern Mavs fans. But um, he talks about these guys from the time that they're playing like high-level AAU tournaments when they're like 16, 17 years old is when he really starts to pay attention to them and hear stuff about them and talk to scouts about them and everything. And the ones that really catch his eye are ones that he'll bring up to us just if we're just BSing in the press box or texting or whatever. And so uh, – the guys that get on his radar get on my radar that way, uh, and then as it gets double radar to the draft, situation, yeah, yeah, the, the <laughs> big there's like a big radar, and he's got the he just directly directly inputs. Um, how does radar work? I don't know he, how radar works. He does it. Yeah, he does it. 
I know. It's uh, and then as the draft works. gets closer, you know, Draft Express is a, a, a great, um, great platform. They're over at ESPN now. Before they were their own website, uh, but now they're with ESPN, and they're kind of like the official ones. Is Jonathan Giveny, like you said, Mike Schmitz over there? Uh, they're really good. So I always read what they have to say uh, on the site, and then also just on their Twitter accounts. Uh, and watching from like a Mavs lens, it it's kind of like changed the way that I watch prospects. Um, so nowadays, obviously, you know, the last couple years with Luca. When I watch these players, any college player, no matter where they're ranked, number one or number 6,000, I'm always thinking, okay, can they play in the system that the Mavs run, right? And obviously that's not the way that you should look at it because if you're evaluating talent, like your team could change and, you know, guys, whatever, they they come and go and not every team plays the way the Mavs do. And so, uh, you know, I'm kind of biased in that sense. But it's funny how it's changed over the years because like 2015 – the Mavs had the 20th pick in the draft. That was the year that they got Justin Anderson. And that team was, you know, slanted older, right? Almost everybody on the roster was 30-plus. And, you know, that was the after coming out of the Rondo year. So Rondo was gone. And Monte was, I think, 30-31. And his contract was up. And so you're going into kind of this new era of Mavs basketball. And so it was like, okay, who's the just the fastest guy who's also, like, under 30 years old in the draft? Like, just give me that guy. Uh, but so it's it's just kind of funny how like the the things that I'm looking for have changed over the years. But um, you know that's kind of like the preliminary research is just listening to whatever Charks has to say and kind of like Sam Bassini, we don't agree on everything, but he but Charks is the best. Uh, and then reading Draft Express, and then when it comes to actually watching them, I mean it is kind of what you said before. It's an oversimplified version, but just pull up the guy's synergy page and look at all the numbers, and then find like the thing that they do best so if you're a point guard it's going to be the pick and roll so i'll just watch every single pick and roll possession that you ever played in college uh if you're a wing maybe you handle a little bit maybe you spot up maybe you're coming off screens or whatever so i just try and find the one or two things that that guy is supposed to be the best at and that they project to do at the nba level and i'll just watch them all and uh every now and then to like especially a couple years ago when the mavs were in the top five I was watching like full games that most of those players are. I, I watched three, four games of each guy at least, in addition to all their regular possessions. Um, and I always tried to pick one where they played well against a good opponent, right? If you mm-hmm. have a 40 point game against South Carolina State, no offense, uh, it's not the same as if you torch, you know, UCLA for 30. So it all kind of like I, I try and find the best game against a really high level opponent and really see what this guy can do. Um, so it's a little bit of everything, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on anyone. I watched every game Luca played over the course of about a year and a half because I was just trying to put that energy into the universe. But (laughs) really, really and truly I've watched, I don't know, each guy for maybe a couple hours by the time they come to the pros. So it's not like I have a huge understanding, but it's enough to have a good conversation about it and enough to where you should definitely keep listening to this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a sliding scale for the guys up top, right? Because there's more information out there about LaMelo Ball, James Weissman, and Anthony Edwards than probably anybody, right? And th- there's less probability that they will be a Dallas Maverick than just about anybody. So there's a sliding scale of, like, I trust what people... You find you find curators like Charks, like Sam Vecini, like the Draft Express guys, and, and you trust their word on it, right? And then you watch for yourself and you go... Okay, I see that. Um, sometimes the labels on there, you know, doesn't quite have a great feel for the game for all 500 players in this draft. And I'm like, yeah, no, 
<laughs> so you got to find the stuff in there that you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's just draft speak. Um, but if if you watch, if you if you just pull up synergy and you watch 200 possessions of a guy, you get a feel for what he's like, right? You get a feel for where he likes to shoot it. Does he? Would you actually call that a shot, or is that kind of a chunk? Um, you know that type of stuff. Um, so Sam Vecini, Charks, um, anything the Draft Express guys do, I don't think they do a specific podcast. They'll go on some others every once in a while. Um, Kevin O'Connor too at the Ringer. I mean, yeah, KOC. They, they kind of like tag team the draft stuff. They're great, both mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, and then uh, Danny Larue at the Athletic does a pretty good one where he just gets really good guests on and they talk about you know he's just a smart guy that knows the league. He's not necessarily a scout type of type of head. He's not he's not up up at night grinding the tape necessarily, but he knows what he's talking about and uh, can pick a winner usually. So that's that's what we listen to. If you if you this is your first swim through getting super interested in the draft, or this is the year that you're like you know I'm home a lot. Like what what am I gonna do? You know, uh, it's it's a fun pastime. And then you sit there at that night and you go, well, this guy went there. That's an awesome pick for them. He'll fit perfect in their system, and it just makes it. It's just a little bit more bought in, right? Like I always say about like um, the the soccer leagues, the football, the European football leagues. I'm like, it's so complex and so complicated to understand that once you do, you you're hooked. Like you just want to understand all of it. And like, there's no half buy-in in in understanding the draft or, or um, I guess scouting. Um, You got to You just want more. You just want to understand every player and you want to, you know, there's not enough time. Um, I try and get pretty comfortable with, you know, 30 guys, depending on where we're picking. And some of them might be super soft. Like James Weissman, we're going to talk about James Weissman. He played three college basketball games. Right, because of the suspension. So he could be a completely different guy at this point in his life and his career and his skill set. And I'm not the guy to tell you different. He looks like a beast in like his photos and all the stuff he's been doing. Like, you know, ten pounds of muscle season is definitely here. Um but it's 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 a tricky process. Um so let's talk about what the Dallas Mavericks need to accomplish or you want them to accomplish via this draft. And I'm not necessarily saying the picks at 18 and 31 or what you could do with the picks, which you always look at the off season as you either got, you know, salary cap. That's one bullet, right? You got trade equity. That's another, another bullet. You got the draft. That's another bullet. How are you going to use these bullets to the most to get the biggest bang out of all of them? Um, and the draft is a huge one for us this year because it's, you know, the MLE most likely mid-level exception, not much else in that regard trades. I don't know. I think everyone's going to be kind of, you know, gun shy about trading this off season because of what's going on. Um, so the draft is the one. So what would you like to see them get out of this draft with 18 and 31? Well, we know the Mavs are a playoff team that have aspirations of being a very high level playoff team. Uh, and we also know that really no matter what happens in free agency, uh, unless like you said, unless they do make a trade where they're sending like three or four players out they only have like one or two roster spots to fill. And so um, there's not necessarily a high level of like a high sense of urgency for any players that they get in the draft to play immediately. But I also don't think they necessarily want to sink a bajillion hours into developing a guy that they take at 18 or 31, which is the two spots that they have picked so far um, and, and develop them to get ready to play. Right. Like they want to, they want to go. Uh, now the legends, you know, it's a great, great, uh, kind of sandbox them to go down and try new stuff, you know, up the road in Frisco. And so maybe even if they take a stud at 18, maybe they're going to be down there a lot this year. I have no idea. Um, but that's kind of the, 
the the thing is if if they are going to be drafting someone to play a rotation spot then that means that they have made some huge move sending out five guys for one or something where they they have a lot of minutes to fill uh so in that sense you know i I don't really think that the position that they draft matters i think everyone would agree that if they're going to make a free agent move or a trade it's probably going to be for more of a wing style player uh who can defend multiple positions and and play the two the three or the four if they draft they can just take like the best player available i think in in my opinion but I'm also I'm not Donnie or Keith Grant or any of those guys um, but we know the Mavs like high basketball IQ players mm-hmm. typically that means that they're going to draft guys with multiple years of college of experience or who played overseas for multiple seasons or whatever the case is uh, very rarely do they take the super raw but high levels of athleticism uh, maybe high levels of talent guys uh, but that need a lot of like coaching you know they're, the Mavs are always going to be more biased toward the guys that you can drop onto a, a court and play right away, even if that means their ceiling is a little lower. Like, they were thrilled to get Dorian Finney-Smith coming out of the – you know, they didn't draft him, but they signed him as an undrafted free agent in 2016. He was kind of raw in the sense that they needed to, to kind of refine his jump shot, but he could play – right from day one I mean he could defend one through four even some fives right away so uh the player that they draft needs to have a high basketball IQ and have at least one NBA skill that is ready to go from day one whether that's defense or just shooting or playmaking or whatever be a good rebounder I don't care what it is but you got to be able to do at least one thing at an NBA level right away otherwise Rick's just not going to play you so I think that's kind of the the, and that's a very broad, kind of vague set of uh, criteria that the, the players or player that they draft needs to meet. But uh, high basketball IQ, NBA skill, and it doesn't really matter what position you play, but mm-hmm. they're going to definitely prefer you to not just be super-duper raw. They want you to be able to get out there and, and go from day one. Um, but yep. that might not be what everybody thinks, so I don't know. What do you think? So they, I, they for sure have a type, right, whenever you're not drafting – top five or top 10, right? You can, you can look at what the core of their roster um, before Luka even getting added or KP getting added, what they were going for, right? It's Doe, it's Maxi, it's Dwight. It's those guys that work their butt off that um, have immediate play me this second type skill. Um, and then you build in the rest of the skill set, right? Um, so that's the kind of guy they're into. Now, I don't think it's any kind of secret that the Mavs are trying to add a third star, that that's, that's what they're interested in. That's the price of poker right now for them, right? If you have a third star in that Clippers series, when KP hurts his, you know, his knee, it's, it might be a different story because of the complexion that series took on. So just like a lot of teams, though, you're trying to add that second or third star. So it is a it's a feeding frenzy whenever those one of those guys that you would consider a surefire like and they're never complete players they're never like you know you don't consider a third star as a guy on the all NBA team right now right <laughs> on the first or second team I mean it'd be rad if he was yeah it'd be it'd be nifty it'd be pretty cool if you could pull that off but there's a reason they're available number one um, and they're gonna be pretty pricey right so you got to decide. And looking at who's realistically going to be around 18 and 31, or if you want to bundle those up and move up, 
um, which I don't know how far you can get. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that, I don't know where they get you. I don't know, have Jimmy Johnson's trade chart in front of me for the NBA. I don't know where they get you. It's the all they're in number one, baby. Yeah, that's number one. 1831 for one. Let's do it. Well, and, um, and that's tough, too, because I think the Celtics have two picks before the Mavs. Mm. The Celtics have like 14 and 17, I think, or something like that. Yep. So, I mean, there's there's loads of teams with multiple picks that can't use them all. So, I, I don't I don't really – this year, I think even more than normal, uh, having multiple draft picks could be less valuable or more valuable than they usually would be. Yeah, but I guess what I was trying to explain is uh, you decide if you want to stay at 18 or 31 by who you think is realistically going to be there, right? And so, there's no doubt the Mavs would like a win-now guy. You would – You'd like a, a guy that has a little bit of development, that has some maybe some edge to him, maybe some professionalism. Maybe he has, you know, you can play him right now defensively and not worry about it. Um, that list at 18, man, that gets really thin. Um, just looking at the guys that are around 18, according to ESPN, um, you know, uh, Pukashevsky. The Serbian kid, Serbian kid is there, right? He's, he's raw as Play-Doh, right? He's, there's... You're not, I'm not throwing him in game one. Um, uh, looking at like Cole Anthony, these, there's a lot of point guards around this range too, which isn't great for the Mavs, honestly. I don't know if I want to get a almost lottery-level point guard. Um, but, DFW native R.J. Hampton. Yeah, R.J. Same Hampton's kind of, in that range, kind of which I would consider very raw as well. Um, and the guys that you'd love to drop in there and go, hey, that's my 3 and D wing guy. Everybody wants those, and they're not, probably not going to fall past 12, right? There's a couple guys in this draft we'll talk about in later episodes that are like Aaron Neesmith, uh, Sadiq Bey. Those guys are, are not going to fall to 18, I don't think. Um, so you start talking yourself into, okay, do I want a project guy? Well, I don't know. I'm trying to win right now. I'm, trying to, I'm not committing to cashing all my chips in right this second. I'm maybe not doing my job perfectly. Um, or do I want a point guard who's, <laughs> I mean... You're gonna. You're, how many minutes you getting at, as a point guard right now on the Mavericks roster? You know what I mean. So you gotta you gotta be honest with yourself and start going. Okay, do I need to move up? Do I need to get up there, or do I need to bundle this and go get a guy that is a veteran that can play right now? And I think it's an interesting conversation because if you do stick at 18, you're in the you get into that classic best player available or right now guy. You know, do I do I want to go down there and take and maybe overstep uh, my pick and take Desmond Bain or someone like that who has an NBA body, who's ready to go, who's, who's nasty, right? Who probably brings a, a, an attitude shift almost on defense for you. Or are you going to go with the project guy that you think in a couple of years might be awesome? So it's super interesting to me how you kind of split those hairs um, and what the Mavs are going to do. I think they're going to try their hardest to get that third star. Whether it's 18 and 31, whether it's, you know, other moves that can be made. Um, I think that's the goal. And if they fall short of that, I think they definitely have backup plans. But I think they're not going to be that happy out of this, this offseason if they don't do that. Um, and there's a, t- there's a ton of ways to do that. I mean, you know the names of guys that are on the, on the trade block right now. It's never a bad thing if, let's say, that their plan A, B, and C is to get a third star or a max level player or whatever you want to call them. If that plan does fall through and they're not able to do it, it's never a bad thing to just draft a couple 20-year-olds at 18 mm-hmm. and 31 and you get a pretty cheap, cost-controlled, easy for me to say, contract uh, that you can keep around for a few years, see if you got anything, 
and you know that still kind of keeps the keeps the books pretty light heading into next summer uh, whenever every dollar is going to count potentially depending on how things happen so um, I don't know but yeah I mean everything is in flux it's so tough to predict any of this stuff because as of the time that we're recording this we don't even know when the season is going to start we have an idea but uh, we don't know what the cap is going to look like we have an idea uh, for this year let alone for next season so it's all very strange so it's just kind of like I don't know, maybe the teams have more knowledge about that stuff than we do based on rumors, but uh, you're going to have to be super-duper flexible. And I, I, I will say, you know, I know everyone kind of memes the Mavs for the way that free agency has gone for them for, for many years now, but uh, one thing that they have been is very flexible. If whatever they try and do doesn't work, they always are able to find a backup plan. And so uh, I think coming out of the draft, we might not know what their, like, number one aspiration was, but – they'll probably be like decently happy with whatever ends up happening on, on draft night because I just think they're, they just really put a high priority on, on just being prepared for whatever happens. Yeah, and I don't think it's crazy that they stay put and take 18 and 31 and just have some awesome young guys that they're going to get cheap labor out of for the next you know three years or whatever the difference is between a first and second round pick contract length. But, I mean, those are pretty good assets, right? And if you get outside of this offseason and going into next year and you don't get pretty immediate good return on them, I think you're going to be kicking yourself. Um, like, I, I love going to get a third star, but also, like, all, our team is entirely veteran. And that means guys that are making more money than the younger guys make, right? This is a football philosophy. Is like the 30 through 53 on your roster probably needs to be, you know, first contract guys um, so that you can go get those other big name guys. And if you decide this off season isn't off season to strike because of good God, a kajillion reasons that have popped up over the last uh, calendar year, then it's next off season. And then we have promising young guys that are either movable or developable and they are on really good money contracts, you know? So we have a multitude of ways of getting really good this off season, even better than the team that, you know, went into that second round series or that uh, series against the Clippers. Um, and maybe you do have some expectations of a second round series, you know, uh, a third round series next year. Um, but this year's draft, not a great year to have a top three pick. <laughs> getting it, getting it back to to where we were going. Um, I kind of we bad. were never going there. <laughs> no, this is this is us going there right now. I I I, I feel I feel kind of bad for the teams that are picking in the top three this year, because last year it was Zion and Ja, right? Two cornerstone players. We'll yet to see if they're, you know, um, generational talents, but I'd, I'd put, a, I'd, I'd, I'd like those odds to see if, you know, Zion and Ja make an all NBA team uh, in their career. And then next year is the, is the double draft, right? Where the high school kids get dumped into the draft and you got Cade Cunningham, who's just an insane maniac of an athlete who's probably just write that down on a piece of paper, go ahead and send it in, right, as the first overall pick, I would think. Um, this year, it's a little bit trickier. Um, the top three guys, according to most boards, is uh, LaMelo Ball, James Weissman, and Anthony Edwards. And the team that has the first overall pick, so the first three picks, the teams that – we'll be focusing on right now in, in regards to where they pick is, is Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, right? Minnesota, having the first pick and these being the three best players, according to most experts, 
man, I don't know if any of these guys fit like a clean throw them in there starting game one for the T Wolves right now. And I think that's why you've seen every team that's in like the top three to five kind of like trying to dump out of there, going like, hey, let's get some more picks there. Let's let's get some value out of this that can contribute right now. Um so I if I'm the T Wolves, I'm like, man, rough year. Okay, we got D'Angelo Russell to pair with Cat. That's pretty cool. Um, got off Wiggins money. Uh, but now I got the first pick and I, I'm going to have to take a guy that I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure about it. There's, a, there's, there's too many questions. There's not a Zion. There's not a jaw. There's not even a Cade Cunningham, you know, there's not a Jaron Jackson. There's not a Luca in this draft. So tough, tough draw for the teams in the top three this year. Yeah. I mean, you like the, the number one guy to be kind of a no brainer, uh, you know, LeBron is once in a lifetime, but it seems like in half of drafts, the number one pick is going to be like, you know, essentially crowned a perennial all NBA caliber player, like without ever having played an NBA game. I mean, there's such an obvious guy, Carl Towns, for example, number one overall pick in the 2015 draft, I think. Uh, and that draft was loaded. D'Angelo Russell, I think, was he went number three, I think, in that draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Booker went number whatever, 11 or 12 or something in that draft. And so some drafts are just going to be deeper than others. Uh, and then you look at, like, 2013, for example. That was the year that Anthony Bennett went number one overall. Kind of a similar situation that season, uh, if I remember right, where there was just really no consensus best player. And so uh, Cleveland just kind of went <laughs> with – Went with what what they found, um, and it ended up not working out. And, of course, Giannis went, I think, 15th overall in that draft. So if teams wish they had to do over there. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's pretty serious, I would say, question marks with all of these players, uh, with all three that you mentioned, Ball, Edwards, and Wiseman. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be all-stars. I think all of them could be, maybe, possibly. Uh, but one thing that's also kind of becoming really clear is, like, if you look around the league, and, and maybe it's like this all the time, I don't know, but – it seems like now we're on kind of an upswing in talent just throughout the league. Like every every generation, uh, a, a group of young guys will come along and you just kind of know that they're about to take over the league as they're climbing. Like when it was LeBron and Melo and Wade and Bosh and those guys, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard in the early to mid-2000s, they were all like 20 years old at the same time and you're just like, oh my God, they're going to run the league for the next 15 years. And they have. And before that, it was like Dirk and Duncan and KG and Kobe. And, and, and it, that's just how it happens. It comes in cycles. And as, the, as that group starts fading off, there's kind of just like a dearth of talent. And in the NBA, it was super exaggerated in 2016 when KD went to Golden State. Like all of the best players were on like literally one team. Uh, and now these young guys like Luka, Trey Young, Zion, John Morant, you know, may, Jason Tatum, maybe they're not Donovan Mitchell, uh, going to be like all Hall of Famers but you know that they're going to run the league. And there's a lot of those guys. There's a lot of those guys around the NBA. And so the question is, like, if you're drafting number one, Minnesota has two of those guys now, Towns and Russell. You figure that they're going to be all-star caliber players forever. You would love to add a third one, but are you going to invest, like, the number one overall pick in a guy who might not be better than your best two players that you already have? I mean, I don't know. It's just really, it's it's just a really kind of tricky thing uh, when there are such major major question marks and uh, there aren't enough teams because of what you were talking about before with the double draft happening next year there aren't enough teams this season that I think are going to be tanking trying to lose on rebuilding I guess (laughs) Um, 
because the fifth pick or the, the sixth pick in next year's draft is just as good as the third pick would normally be. And that go, that goes all for the 20th pick. It's as good as the 10th pick normally would be. And so it's not like you could just, like, dump off picks for this year for teams for veteran guys because there's no incentive to add youth this season uh, in the hopes of de- establishing a brighter future. So, I don't know, this is a really difficult position for the Wolves to be in. So I'm kind of with you in that I'd sort of feel bad for them. Uh, but at the same time, they have Cat and Russell, so I think they'll be they'll be all right. But yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, like if you were the Mavs in 2018 and this was the the crop of players that you were looking at, I feel like everyone would have been kind of bummed out because the the two years that the Mavs are really and truly bottomed out, uh, they were re- rewarded with Dennis Smith, who was a great prospect, and they ended up trading for a great player, and then of course Luca. Uh, so they got really lucky, I guess, in the time that they were really bad. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe LaMelo will be an All-NBA player by year four and make us look stupid. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I think I would trade the first pick this year for the fifth pick next year. That's how different I think these drafts are. Yeah. I mean, just double drafts, Kate Cunningham, or the odds of the, of the fifth pick. You know what I mean? Like, you go in the lottery with the fifth best odds or whatever. Yeah. I think I, think I would a lot do of, A lot of the teams, sorry, a lot of the teams that are picking in the top five, top eight this year are probably going to be back there again next year anyway. Yeah. So, like, they're not – I wouldn't give up a next year's one for this year's one if I'm, like, who, who's, like, Cleveland, you know? Like, why why would you do that? You know, there's no mm-hmm. reason to do that. Yeah. Yeah, The besides the Golden State, the top basically – 10 picks I would anticipate are probably back there next year. Um, unfortunately for those franchises, but how it works, uh, how the cookie crumbles. So, all right, let's what, jump What in. about Golden State? Sorry. What about, what about Golden State? So what Minnesota, we kind of talked about how they're like in a weird situation. Oh yeah. Golden State's I mean, in a real I, weird situation. I think that one's kind of an obvious, right? Where you don't necessarily want to one, two, three. Um, you want a bigger, either a bigger wing or a, a center. I think this is okay for them. I think I think they can live with this um, if they are interested in Wiseman or or, or even Denny, who's like the fourth uh, prospect ranked on most boards. Or you know, if you want to get real crazy and and go Obi Toppin, or you know, I think for them it's almost a positional like who can play right now, who doesn't have a lot of responsibility on their shoulders, who isn't going to demand the ball. Um, or if he does, is he second unit guy? Like, do you just put him on the second unit and go raise hell? You know, uh, Anthony Edwards, um, it is weird for them, but also I think they're, (laughs) I'd be kind of surprised if Golden State's making the second overall pick, just honestly, just judging from what they've done in their past. They love every player, Mike. (laughs) Yeah. The reports, they've They've been been bringing in a lot of people. They love them. Yeah. They've been bringing in a lot of guys. Love this draft class. Um, but I mean that they're trying to pry open that window with a crowbar, right? Like they're trying to get somebody in there that if Draymond starts hitting the wall or gets older, or if Clay misses time again, or if Steph has issues again, um, can keep them afloat until they can get into the playoffs and not get bumped out of the playoffs like last year and just crater, right? So that guy doesn't exist at the second pick of this draft. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Unless you're going to reinvent how you play. You know, if you want James Wiseman as the Golden State Warriors, like, go for it. I, I want to see it. I think it'd be interesting as hell to see happen. Um, and I I have full confidence in, 
Steve Kerr and, and Steph to figure it out how to use a guy like that. But don't, don't kid yourself. Like they're, they're trying to get their fourth star out of the second overall pick. Right. And maybe they think Wiggins is that, I don't know. Um, but I don't, I mean, I think they're clearly trying to, they got the, the, the wheel bike pump and they're trying to inflate this value as much as they can. Um, of the second overall pick this year. And, uh, you know, good luck to him. Good luck to him dealing that second overall pick for whoever's out there. I mean, there are a lot of trade rumors that are flying around right now. Would you rather be Minnesota or Golden State or Charlotte's third? I think the Bulls mm-hmm. are fourth. Yeah. Where they can just kind of, like, take whatever is mm-hmm. there. I mean, there's there's way less pressure on you in that situation. But, of course, you know, you don't necessarily get to choose the player that you want. Right. I mean, I think the sweet spot of this draft, honestly, is like 10 through 12, 9 through 13, maybe. If you're a team that's trying to win right now, it's like trying to either make the playoffs or advance in the playoffs. Um, because the 3 and D wings are right there. They're just they're just staring at me. These guys are going to be awesome, I think. I haven't watched tape on all of them yet, but just reading scouting reports. Aaron Naismith, Sadiq Bey, Patrick Williams. Some people have Patrick Williams in the top five. Um some people are absolutely in love with Killian Hayes, who's who's projected to go uh, six on the Tankathon mock draft. Like, I think there's some really good players down around there that I'd rather be a part of uh, if I'm trying to win right now. And you know, you know how it goes, right? You dump a first, second, third overall pick into a guy, and he's not playing 25 plus minutes next year. <laughs> you start getting a little bit of what you doing over there, GM? What's going on, huh? How how are things working out? And, you know, telling that to a fan base or telling uh, to a fan base or an owner or, you know, whoever is the team that, like, we've got a long-term view of this thing. Like, let us let me develop the guys. That's a difficult sell. It's way harder than it should be, quite honestly. Um, because if a guy isn't, you know, Ja or isn't Luka uh, and he's a top three pick, the bar is so stinking high right now. Um, and this year is – I think we're going to get the end of this season, end of next season, and it's not going to look great, like, compared to the previous seasons and how quickly those guys took over the league, right? I mean, even Zion, he missed a ton of time, but it's everybody knows how good Zion is. If he can stay healthy, you know? So I kind of feel the bar is so stinking high for these dudes that I'd rather be further down and have less pressure and take a guy that I think can win now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, that said, uh, LaMelo and, and – well, 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 I guess we can – we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, just right jump into LaMelo. Uh, yeah, okay, so – Real quick though, Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman—they're—they're they're the top three players in this class, and there might be a lot of pressure on them to develop. But I will say that they all kind of have immediate sort of star appeal, sex appeal, whatever you want to call it, for fans. Like there is there is reason, no matter no matter how you feel about their future or whatever, there is reason to be excited if you do end up with those players because they're all like gonna be fun to watch, probably, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what, and they can all do really cool things. So. Uh, so that is that is like the one good thing, I guess, is that you're going to get somebody that your fans can be excited about. And then, th- of course, the pressure is on to develop them. But, uh, but yeah, okay. So, LaMelo, let's start with him. I think he's number one on uh, Draft Express, right? They he's one on one? ESPN on Draft Express, and he's also number one, according to uh, Sam Vecini. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of other lists and or talking heads, et cetera, out there that are not sure the dude's top five pick. You know, yeah, um, and that's the yeah. kind of draft it is. And that's not talking down on them. That's just some people just don't see it. You know, um, yeah, opinions vary for sure. Opinions vary, um, but he's uh, six seven, one ninety. 
uh, averaged 17 points, seven and a half rebounds, almost seven assists. Uh, played down in the NBL in Australia along with, well, not along with, but he competed against RJ Hampton. Mm -hmm. uh, so two of the top high school players in the class went overseas to play, uh, gained some experience over there. Is it Iowara uh, shot, Hawks? Huh? I think it's Iowara Hawks, right? The, yeah, I did. City. I didn't want to say the name because I didn't know how to pronounce it. As someone that's <laughs> been to New Zealand, I think it's I think it's Iowara. Oh, so they're a New Zealand team? No, they might be in Australia. I don't know where Iowara is. Okay. Let me look. Well, the NBL. Iowara. So the NBL is an Australian league, like Sydney Kings, but there are New Zealand teams, like New Zealand Breakers, for example. Um, it's in Australia. There, so the, yeah. So and I think Melbourne. There's a Melbourne team. Uh, yeah. And I know it's Melbourne, not Melbourne. I do know that, but <laughs> right. I, I don't know how to pronounce any other words. So uh, LaMelo played down there uh, with former NBA player Josh Boone on that team. That was, that was pretty cool to see. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, where, where do you want to start, Mike? Do you want to start with the good stuff or with the with the weird stuff? Or what do you want well, to talk about with LaMelo? Um, let's just start about where you start trying to like put him into uh, a classification, right? Because he's a... Super young guy that we've known about since he's 16 years old. Probably maybe before that, 15. I mean, remember that floppy-headed kid that was chunking up half-court shots on YouTube, right? And he is obviously one of the Bald Brothers. Um, Lonzo's been fine. Um, Leangelo's, you know, playing professional basketball somewhere. He and LaMelo went to play professionally in Lithuania, right? Um, when they were like 15, 16, 17 years old. Mm. Um, so you get the... You get the, like, Luca's storyline of, like, been playing professional for so long, right? And it's like, that's got to be a plus. That's got to be in the plus column. That's got to be a good for him. And with LaMelo Ball, I don't know if that's great, honestly. Um, I don't know if it's great that he's been playing professional basketball since he was 16. Because I don't know if he's ready to play professional basketball at 16. Like, Luca was, clearly, right? Um, and then you got only 12 games in the NBL, NBL last year. Yet he did win Rookie of the Year. Um, I don't know what that rookie class looks like in the NBL. Like, I don't know if there's stiff competition going on there. But it's to not, me, the one thing that I can say is that they're definitely running like NBA pro yeah. style offenses. You know, oh, yeah, and, it looks like can't our basketball. say that about every college team. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like our basketball. It looks like there's there you could jump out of there and play five minutes in an NBA game right now, and you know you're not gonna get smoked. Um, but so much of his game, or so much of the stuff around him of late is. It's not really about basketball, right? It's like um, the reports of not doing great in interviews, you know, people doubting that he should be in the top three. Um, but for our sake, I think we should stick to more of like what we see happening for him in the next couple of years, right? If he's going to be the number one overall pick, which by Minnesota, I don't, I don't know if I want that dude right next to D'Angelo Russell. Like I kind of already got a freewheeling um, – crazy ball handler guy that will shoot it from anywhere. I don't know if two makes a ton of sense, um, but he's humongous, number one, for a point guard, for a ball handler, um, which is a lot of his advantage, um, is the size combination with the handle is, I don't know if it's NBA level right now, but it is, it's pretty special. Um, but so much of his game and the things that we'll talk about are just wrapped up in his history in that he's been playing above his age for so long, right? He's been, when he's 15, he's playing against 18 year olds. When he's 10, he's playing against 16 year olds. So you get all that, at least in my mind, I might be putting him into, you know, a bucket that he doesn't necessarily belong, but 
he finishes around the rim exceptionally well because he played against bigger dudes his entire life. His shot selection, uh, he's kind of kind of defers more than he more than he jumps on the offensive shot if it's not a three pointer. He's definitely a facilitator more than he's more than he's um, you know a scorer. His shot is. I mean, it looks like he's like jumping out of a boat. I don't know what's going on with the shot there, man. It's he he, he shoots he, with both hands. Shoots with both hands, and his feet are his right leg will almost look like he's like doing some kind of dance where it's almost like waist high, and it finishes over on his left side. And but he and doesn't from, really jump when he shoots either. It's this yeah. really weird, like almost set shot, but his legs are like I think of set shot. I think of like grounded feet close together, like real sturdy base. Mm-hmm. He's like a set shot, but his feet are really spread apart. I don't know. It's really strange. And his right elbow is sort of like crooked too. <laughs> I don't know. It's a really, it's a really weird, funky shot. And yeah. I'm kind of with you there. Like maybe it's because he learned to shoot it on a 10 foot goal whenever he was like five years old. You know? Yeah. And, and he was I mean, chunking from half court. Like, have to heave it sort of, you know? Yeah. And he, he was chunking from 30 feet out, like at age 14. Like that's what they did at his high school. Like he just dribbled it across half court and was like, yup, going for this. I'm going to make two of these a game and it's going to be fun. It's going to be on YouTube. And that's how we're going to roll. Um, but it is a – man, it looks like he's jumping out of a moving train like type shot. Like you need to <laughs> – that thing, whoever whoever gets him, um, you you got some work to do in that regard. But so much of his positive is feel for the game, manipulating defenders, using his length now that he's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, a ball handler. Like some of those dudes, some of those drives I was like – Dude, he got that out of, that guy out of position with like two moves, one little shift, and he's finishing left hand with five feet of space between him and the defender, and no one's quick enough to rotate in that league to get over to him. So I see some of the appeal. Um, there's obviously just a lot of risk in banking on development and Watching Lonzo go through that path and turn into like a really good defender and a guy that's like one of the best transition players in basketball, like I have hope for sure. Like I think he's going to be a thing for a long time, and I think he's going to have a great career. But first overall pick, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you're getting the value there. Yeah, I mean you have to, and again, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of him or anything, but you have to like totally rebuild the jump shot. You just, you have to. NBA I mean, he was in the really single long. digits. He was single digits from three for most of the year, and he yeah. got and, up to 25 On jump shots, and now this is only – he only played 12 games, which is another reason why there's like whatever. But there's a lot of tape on him, obviously. But uh, in the NBL, he was 18 for 79 on jump shots. And that's not – that's including twos. I mean, that's that's below 25% on jump shots, which is – it's not good, man. I mean, that's that's really, really not good. And now, you know, like you said, he's really big and tall. And I think his frame will fill out. In fact, he might not even be done growing. He's still only 18 years old, so he could become 6'8", 6'9". Who, who knows? Um, and he passes it over his head, which is really advantageous to him in, in the same way it is for Luca. because if his hands are up above his head, he's passing it from 8, 9 feet above the floor. So you cannot deflect it. You can't get a hand in the passing lane or whatever. I mean, it's going to get to his target, and he can see the floor. He makes simple passes. He makes difficult passes. Um, he has a flair for making fancy passes, which I, I really appreciate. Um, <laughs> like it's a boor- it's a really simple pass, but if you do it with your offhand, then like it just looks cooler. I don't know. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, but if you, ca- it doesn't matter if you can do all that stuff, and and if you're shifty, which I, I'd say he's shifty, and he, he has pretty good straight line speed, and he can glide and all that stuff, and, and he can change gears. But 
if you're going to shoot below 25% from three, then you just cannot be the guy with the ball. Um, and now, you know, the way that the Pelicans use Lonzo, which is like push it and then defer to like Holiday, or the way that the Rockets used Westbrook where he was like setting screens and then making reads off of rolls and stuff and Draymond kind of the same way. I mean, he can be maybe like that guy, but until you can become a really, 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 at least like consistently um, considered like a threat as a jump shooter, the way that Luka is, like Luka's percentages still aren't that good, but uh, people fear the jump shot, then it's tough to just be like the guy, you know? It's tough to be the the playmaker um, because this is a little too predictable. So it is kind of, it's, it's tricky because if you draft him, you almost have to use him as a point guard uh, or have a really, really good ball handler that can kind of like share the load with him. But part of the reason that you're up at the top of the draft is because you don't have one of those guys. Or maybe you do, but he's just a little too raw. Uh, like if, if we're going to focus on him in the context of the Timberwolves, him and Russell could maybe work out because Russell can do some of the stuff, like some of the Steph stuff, like running off screens and things like that. Um, but I don't know. It's just tricky, man. It's it's really tricky. It's 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 one of those things where like you can be a, a world class passer, and he is. But if you're gonna be a sub twenty percent three point shooter, then it's just it's just really really. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Dope. I, th- I think there definitely is a place in the league for a really good puck mover, uh, a really good um, finisher around the basket as a secondary ball handler, um, a guy that can be your primary point guard for stretches of games. I just, to me, that's not a like a starter right now. Um, and that's not a for the first overall pick. It's not what you're looking for, right? Well, can I... Can I... So I think that there is a place for that if mm-hmm. you do so many other things. Like yeah. Russ, for example, Russ is like a Hall of Fame level player, and so it's unfair. But if you're picking this guy number one overall, you expect him to become that level of good. Russ plays with so much force and aggression that even though he's inefficient, he can like totally change a game mm-hmm. with his level of energy. And Lonzo, to his credit, has improved as a three-point shooter, but also plays his ass off on defense. And so mm-hmm. if LaMelo can be that way, just constantly disruptive, like 90-foot passes in transition because the other team isn't paying attention, that's disruptive. That like that changes games and helps you overcome other kind of weaknesses that you would have in your game. So uh, jumping passing lanes, and just being, like Lonzo's a really heady, heady defender. Uh, if you can do all those other things, then you can definitely play. But if, if, you, if you don't, then I'm totally with you. you. Just There is no room for you. Yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe a team takes him and – and thinks that all the things we press question marks about that they can sort out, right? That in a year or two is he can be an average three-point shooter, um, you know, shooting 35%. And then that's a different player, right? Because his size is, I mean, size for that kind of handle. Um, I mean, again, you haven't seen him against the best defenders on earth quite yet, but size for that handle in the Australian league was, it would, a lot of times it wasn't fair, Um and he's not like the the reasons the reasons why I don't know if he needs to be the first overall pick or if he's the hype you know is 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 worthy is I don't I don't know if he's an NBA caliber athlete yet if he's that explosive um, I don't know if Lonzo was whenever he came in but he clearly developed right got that first step was a great transition player not just speeding the ball up 
um, but getting himself up the court too. Like they're good. They're there's a thing with this family that they're great ball handlers and they're great distributors. But if it's if that's the only thing you can do is move the ball faster than yourself, like we saw it with Lonzo for his first couple of years, right? I was like, yeah, that's kind of fun, but I don't want to compare him too much to his brother because I mean he's he's bigger, he's he's got a different game, he took a different path. Um, he's probably more raw than Lonzo was whenever he first came out, but um, you he's got to get number one, he's got to get in the gym and get a first step and get uh, to NBA caliber athleticism. Then the shot, right? And then there's just like a lot. There's just like a there's like a book report of three different levels that he needs to needs to do in his first couple of years, which is fine. Some guys overcome it. Some guys don't, and then they do with their second contract. And they end up being like a superb NBA player. Um, but obviously, a long way to go for him. I get, I see the flashes, and especially compared to these other two guys of like this top three of like why people might think he's uh, the first overall pick, but I think there's a little bit of a little bit of blindness there that people are going, oh, guy's played professional since 16, great size, uh, great distributor. He looks like all these other kind of things that I've seen that have played professionally since they're, since age 16, um, and he's a ball handler. So first overall pick, that's what we call a first overall pick. And I'm just like, you can tell me he's the first overall pick in this draft. And he's the best player coming out of this draft, and sure, man, like yeah. I why not I guess but um I don't know I com- I compare him to the to the league not against the guys that he's about to be drafted next to it's so tough because you're, you're right to be skeptical about all that stuff and it's kind of like I, I don't know anything about baseball prospects at all but it's like whenever a guy's coming up through the minors and they're like this guy has world-class power he can hit a ball a mile but can't hit the curve and chases everything out of the zone and your your inner instinct as like a talent developer or evaluator or whatever is like, I can get that can, out of him. We can fix that. <laughs> yeah. You know? We we will be the team that can change that and he's gonna be you know, he's gonna hit fifty five home runs for us for the for the rest of his career. And of course, it usually does not work. So it's just really I don't know, it's really tough. Um, yeah. He's he's an interesting one, honestly. The story, the where he's played, his path, um, he definitely has passing ability. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. He definitely has some kind of NBA or even like all NBA team skills and passing. Um, And I mean, I think his finishing around the rim is the thing that like blew me away. I was like, he does not finish soft. Maybe that's being in that league (laughs) versus being in the NBA whenever, you know, I don't know. In the NBA, the games I watch, like not a lot of guys rotating over to like just take you out. Right. I mean, um, he's he's one of the tallest players on the floor in yeah, the NBA. Which for sure. I guess I mean he will be in the NBA too if he's six yep. seven six eight in shoes. I mean like he'll be mm-hmm. up there. Yeah, for sure. So there are some NBA skills in there. There's just the, I mean that's a, that's a lot of work. That's a yeah, lot of work. So much to to refine. Um, yeah, and like I would not want to be the GM that's like putting my stamp on my next few years uh, with with this. I mean just honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he turns into, you know, maybe he's the next, the next thing. Maybe everyone's gonna take a six-eight point guard. But to me, right now, he's like, he's like stretched out Rondo, right? Yeah, I mean, so that's that's a good comparison because I was saying like his best or thinking that his best possible like outcome is to be quicker version of Luca, mm-hmm. but his worst possible outcome is like 
late career Rondo. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've heard, I've heard you I've take heard, that player number one overall. I, 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 I've, I've heard Luca Light from some of the people that I follow, and I'm just like, I don't know if y'all are watching enough of Luca. <laughs> like he just puts you in a freaking leg hold for 48 minutes. He's just gonna drive you crazy getting into the paint. Like I don't know if Lonzo. Like he might be faster, he might be more quick twitch than Luca, but he does not use his weight in the same way. He does not use his yeah. strength in and, the same and way. And he's not. A th- I mean, he's not a thirty point per game scorer, which yeah. you have to be in order to be Luca. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. You have to be one of the two or three best offensive engines in basketball. <laughs> yeah. Um. So get that out of here. I guess. Uh. Let's jump to James James Wiseman. Um, okay. Because this one might be short. Um, his synergy highlight reel was very easy to get through. <laughs> I watched that. Yeah, I watched that one over lunch, um, and then started <laughs> searching for uh, a lot more scouting reports from whenever he was playing in high school. Um, so seven one center out of Memphis, or whatever you want to call it. He's a center. Um, played in three games this season um, before uh, suspension stuff and eligibility questions popped up. He decided not to come back after that um, and play for Penny Hardaway's. <laughs> Uh, Memphis team and finish out the season, which kind of did open the door for the other guy that was playing in the post for them, Pre- uh, Precious Achua, who we'll talk about probably next episode um, because he is a around a lottery guy. But um, I mean, there's three games. There's there's some fun stuff in there. Um, jumps really high, super strong, all that kind of stuff, right? That you would expect from a top three pick that's a center. But to me, I'm I'm watching him, and I'm like, "That's DeAndre Ayton. Like, that's 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 very much DeAndre Ayton to me. Um, big dude that somehow doesn't know how big and powerful he is. Um, besides, when no one else is in front of him and there's a rim right there, right? It's like almost like functional brute strength versus like I can dunk the ball really hard brute strength. And maybe he's you know maybe he's developed over the last. Good God, when did the NCAA season? I mean, he was out in, like, December, right? And then the NCAA season went to, like, February, and they stopped. Yeah, I mean, he played three games, so he was probably, yeah. like, 18 years old in one month. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a year he later. A, he was a child. <laughs> yeah, it's a year later. It's an entire year of development for him, so he might be a different player, but what I've seen and what I've read um, is he's not going it's, to... It, it's this breed of big guys that are humongous and powerful and strong and just the biggest, nastiest physical dudes. And they won't relentlessly punish you for that, right? For having that edge. And they kind of want to drift out and shoot fadeaways and spot up. And I mean, that's a, that was a lot of what they said about like an old man with that. What? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what all the scouting reports say, right? It's like, he doesn't know what he wants to be. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, you could teach him how to shoot or teach him how to get his own shot, and then he's Chris Bosch, right? If he develops that technique enough. So, you know, it's hard to judge a dude on three games and off word of mouth from high school scattering reports and stuff. The thing that he, he wants to play like a big wing when he's not a big wing, right? Your coach is, you're going to get sideways with your coach a couple times because he's going to want you to get down there and you know, exploit a mismatch and do this and that, and you're kind of hovering or you're taking fadeaways from the elbow. Um, but maybe he's different. Maybe he's got a different mentality than he did a year ago from what I watched. Um, but the thing I always think about with these type of guys, which are bigs that 
haven't proven they can shoot yet, but still are shooting. Um, and don't consistently, I mean, I didn't see any, there's three games. I can't tell you how good he is in the pick and roll, right? He looks cool doing it. He looks cool doing it a couple times in Memphis games, but how many teams want to play a guy like this 30 plus minutes a night? That's the thing I always think about, right? Like, is the number 15? Is the number 10? Like, we, we've seen what our theory is about how a center should play in basketball, and that's you should be able to be one of the best shooters alive in Kristaps Porzingis, right? Um, and I think the league's going a little bit more that direction. Um, and maybe he develops that shot. Maybe he is that guy. Uh, maybe he does get, like, some Al Horford-type three-point-making uh, ability to his game, but three games is really tough, man. And um, I, obviously, I don't think a fit for Minnesota. He's already said he doesn't want to go to Minnesota. Um, Golden State would be Town, super interesting. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd, it'd be super interesting to see what happens in Golden State with him because there'd be so little responsibility. It would just be like clean everything up, set some screens, and dive, buddy. Love to see it. But um, what are your thoughts on on Wiseman? I think he's a really, really, really intriguing person uh, because he's enormous, seven foot, two fifty, uh, wingspan that reaches for days, and he's still like eighteen years old, and he's pretty filled out. So in that sense, he is very similar to Aiden in that kind of like the classic knock against a big man is that he doesn't have an NBA ready body. Well, Wiseman, <laughs> you could like drop him onto a floor today, and he would, you know, be pretty dominant in that sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, and it is tough because it's just a few games and generally college teams aren't playing spread, pick, and roll. That's one of the reasons why watching Jalen Brunson convinced me that he would be a good NBA player because Villanova was, like, the only college team that year that actually ran spread, pick, and roll with, like, really talented players, you know, and uh, Brunson belonged. Uh, a lot of what Wiseman did at Memphis was kind of, like, float around the free throw line and then crash the boards or catch it, and he did, like, going into that little spin fade. Mm -hmm. um, but he's got soft touch, you know, to his credit. I, I think he could develop a jump shot, even if it's just 18 feet, and if he can stretch it out to 20 feet, then that's good because that means that you have to respect the guy coming off a, coming off a screen. Uh, if he can stretch it out to the three-point line, then, I mean, it's over. But it's the same way with Bagley and all these other guys that have come out, Aiton, uh, you know, springy athletes that are, you know, can – can really physically dominate you down low. Um, I do hear you on the I'm not sure who wants to play centers that can't shoot thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, the Lakers just punish people. Miami just punish people with big guys that really can't shoot that well. I know AD shot well in the playoffs, uh, but Bam Adebayo, not much of a shooter. AD really not much of a shooter. So you do have to have some, some physical presence down low. Golden State has been great without shooters. Obviously, they have, you know, epically good uh guards but I, I i think that there's a market there if you can be physically imposing kind of the same way that i was talking about Lamelo. if you can do everything else really well then that can help overcome the weakness it's kind of like what we talk about with dwight powell he's so good at rolling that the fact that he's a 30 percent three-point shooter is like not even something that we think about most of the time um but dwight powell is taken 45th overall and is not a max-level player, is not treated as a max-level player, and doesn't play max-level player minutes. And so I guess that kind of leads back to your main question of, for 36 minutes a game, do you want to play this guy? 
And uh, that's a tricky question. That's a tricky question, especially because at the beginning of their career, big guys are they're not going to be very good on defense, you know, for the most part. It's going to take at least a year, maybe more, to become consistently good on that end. And that's kind of a knock against Wiseman is that, like, the effort level isn't necessarily there all the time. And I think part of that could just be because he's 18 years old. Um, but, you know, if you're going to draft him, then you have to be prepared to have some mistakes on the floor in the back. And so are, if you're trying to win right now and you take this guy, then that might not be as easy as it would be if you took one of these more of the pro-ready guys with, with a lower ceiling. So uh, it's he's an interesting case. I know Charlotte is like the, the big team that's connected to him if you read those guys. And I think that makes sense because they have really young players around him. Bridges, Devontae Graham, Scary Terry still pretty young. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense there. But uh, I don't know. Really, really, really intriguing player. And there is something, even though this is the era of the dead big man or whatever, there is something that's pretty exciting about watching a big seven-footer rumble down the floor and throw one down. It's just he's unstoppable. If, if, the, if the motor's there, if the space is there, he would be unstoppable and, and get you an easy 15, 18 points a game, DeAndre Jordan, Tyson Chandler-level stuff um, if he plays in space and with a really good point guard and all that stuff and all, if that's what he wants to do. And if he if that's what he's into, then he'll be a really, really good player. Uh, the number one overall pick, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, the parallels to Aiton are, like, so striking to me. Like, if, if he would have played 35 games this year, I think we would have seen like that's that's DeAndre Ayton again, right? Um, an AAU darling type guy who's kind of, you know, um, thinks of himself as more of a power forward shooter type player. Um, but to me, it always comes back to what is a GM thinking about the center position? You know, do you want to you want to buy in and you want to be Dallas with Kristaps Porzingis? Um, and play that way and put a lot of money into it? Do you want a Rudy Gobert? Do you want... And I think overall, the league has answered that question. There are about, you know, 10 to 15 centers that do end up getting paid, that do end up playing large minutes. But the rest of them are trying to cheat the position. Um, Houston doesn't even have a center anymore, right? Boston was playing in the Eastern Conference Finals with Daniel Tice starting at center and rolling in, you know, um, Robert Williams for stretches and playing Jay, uh, not Jay, I'm sorry, uh, playing other guys. Jay was, Jay was playing for Miami, but that was a fun series. Um, but they're, they're trying to cheat the position and get away with playing dudes that aren't centers at that position for a lot of minutes of a game. So that devalues the traditional center, right? Um, so it just you just start narrowing down the list of teams that actually want a guy like that. Um, and if they don't want a guy, are they willing to restructure how they play to fit a guy like that? Is he that good of a talent? Um, and I think that the numbers just like so few, um, at this point, it's almost like, it's like, it's like running back in, in football at this point, right? Where it's like, I don't know, man, there's like 40 guys that can play center in the league right now that can get you 20 plus minutes at center in the league right now. Like. Do I need to pay 10 times more for this guy and invest a top three pick in that? I don't know. I mean, Moneyball people or, you know, really smart minds would say, no, like, get what you can out of that position from, you know, we played Dwight at center a lot, <laughs> you know, and Dwight got paid recently and he's an exceptional player, but 
I mean, that's not an early pick. That's not a huge contract. Um, so it just depends what your theory of the center position is. And I think I know what Golden State's is over the last couple of years. Um, they kind of they like that kind of player. They do, but they don't play him huge minutes. Like Kavon Looney definitely was a key part of obviously those years. But I mean, when it comes down to it, they're playing. They're gonna play Draymond at five, right? Yeah. In, so, in winning time, I mean that's yeah. that's really what it is, you know. And and yeah. it could be that because Wiseman is a freak athlete. I mean he is, and so it could mm-hmm. be that he becomes the kind of guy that can switch in the way that Kevon Looney did whenever they were going to the finals every year, uh, and guard guards and guard wings. Mm-hmm. And I mean if you can be a switchable big man at seven feet two fifty and run the floor and all that stuff and guard guards, then you're Either you're either going to be a monster player who's like a once in a lifetime kind of player, or like Nerlens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just kind of it depends, you know. It depends yeah. on I guess a lot of things that are out yeah. of our control and hot dogs. <laughs> and everybody, uh, every player that like is a high motor big right now, like Bam is the is the comp. You know what I mean? Like I don't think Wiseman Bam does not make sense to me. You have to have – Bam has a level of, like, attitude and aggression yeah. that you don't know a, a guy has until he's there. You yeah, know? for sure. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it's to me it's just Aiden. If it's, if it's if DeAndre Aiden played three games last year and you're like, uh, okay, I think everything's cool. Like, still take this guy, you know, one or two. Um, so if you like that, here's some more of that. <laughs> If that's what you're into, if that's the kind of player you want to, you know, drop a top three pick into and potentially a second contract and, you know, restructure your team around. Um, so that's James Wiseman. I mean, it's not much more I can say a about ringing him. endorsement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think he's a really good player. I just, the league is, I don't know. It's like running away from that position. It's, it's not great for dudes that come in that are of this ilk. It's kind of the same thing about the next guy too. That's mm-hmm. that's like the story of this draft for me is that really like the four or five best players in it seem like they're like products of another era. It's it's yeah. really strange. Yeah, uh, maybe they'll be able to adjust. But uh, yep. the next guy on the list and who's number one on many boards, not oh, yeah. number three or whatever, but Anthony Edwards uh, Ant. from Georgia. Yeah, Ant Man, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome <laughs> name. So I, I'm rooting for him. Um, he is listed at six three. Or six, no, he's four. taller than that. He's like it, six, it five. seems like he's taller than that. And he's mm-hmm. definitely he's beefy, too, 225. I mean, he's like Ooh, he's yeah. a freight train, and he definitely has the freight train thing. 6'9 mm-hmm. um, wingspan, went to Georgia, played the full season, uh, mm-hmm. 19 points, five rebounds, about three assists. Um, inefficient shooting, 40 from the field, 29 from three, 77 from the free throw line gives you, gives you a little hope. But he is your traditional, like, or traditional – quintessential scoring guard uh slasher driver attacker kind of player very very like victor oladipo energy uh Mm -hmm. coming from him just a a mega athlete um who can pretty much go anywhere do anything uh that he that he wants to do um but obviously there there are some questions as well brad brad beal before he became a 40 percent shooter from three just a tank of a guard right just Humongous. I mean, he looks like he's about to roll out there at strong safety for the Cowboys. Uh, so I, I, could, I, lit- I do not believe that he's only 6'4". I just don't yeah. believe that. No, he's, a big, he's bigger than that. 
Yeah. He's a he's a humongous guy um for a guard. For someone that handles the ball as much as he does. It's it's frightening. It's almost like watching Luca, right? Whenever you're like, Yeah, that guy's six eight, like humongous, wide shoulders, handling but the ball it, a lot. It's Luca if Luca had like a fifty inch foot. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but also couldn't shoot necessarily and had uh some of the worst shot selection I've seen in a while, because I think that's where the conversation needs to start with Anthony Edwards is, I mean, there's a lot of tape. You can go watch the 250 offensive possessions. If you want, I, I watched them. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a clinic. And if you weren't the first overall pick or a five-star athlete, you're getting benched type shot selection. Um, but I mean, it, there's a lot of, a lot of Dennis Smith jr. Vibes on this tape. I'm not going to lie. Um, and that, that team wasn't that good. Um, I think they lost a couple players last year, uh, Claxton for sure. Uh, the big center was awesome and it just wasn't that good of a team. And he's feeling like he has to do a lot. Um, and that might mean a lot of step back threes. Um, when that's not necessarily your strength, that might mean hanging out in the corner when I didn't, don't remember him making a corner three the entire time I watched. Um, so I think that's where the conversation with, Aunt Edwards has to start is do you think you can coach this shot selection issue out of him? And was it just pressing? Right. Cause he did, he would get on some streaks where I was like, good God, like get the fire hose out. This guy needs to calm down. He's, he's knocked down like five straight shots that were just stupid. And then it's, and here comes the, the six that are just like loud outs. Right. Yeah, there was, a, there was a game where he, he pulled up for a three, and I guess he must have made his previous shot or something because the announcer goes, here's Edwards. He's feeling it, and it was just an air ball. <laughs> <laughs> He's feeling it. Yeah, the shot selection is is not great. Um, but the confidence is there. Like, is that more important? You know what I mean? Um, is, is being willing to shoot, um, even when it's not a great look, more important for him at this point in his development? Um, I don't know. To me, his his greatest strength is obviously his athleticism and his size, his physicality, right? Because he does have some really cool in-out dribble stuff. Um, Oladipo is the first thing I thought, too. I was like, he's bigger, stronger than anybody that's going to be guarding him. And some games he knows it and, you know, takes you to the rack and puts you in, you know, the the figure four leg leg hold. And it's a long night. His team might not win, but, um, you know, he's going to get his and he's going to punish you for it. But also, like, he draws a ton of fouls. And that kind of muddies my perception of, I don't think he's a good finisher. Like, from what I watched, I was like, I don't know if he's got short arm, like, for his dimensions. I don't know if he's got short arm and he just, like, doesn't get the space necessarily. Or he explodes so much like getting to the rim that it's almost like not there whenever he gets to the fourth step of the long jump um but every time he like got to the basket i was like all right now finish this and it's like weird angle like leaves it soft or something and i'm like you gotta you gotta work that out bud you gotta work that you can't be a tank and the fifth step of the long jump to get to the hoop where you're going up right hand you know just bangs off the thing and there was a lot of like almost like uh, even when he made him. I mean, he he was sixty seven percent at the rim, which is really good. But there were a lot where he would like instead of trying to go through the guy, he would almost like try and sidestep almost mm-hmm. like not a euro step, but just like a 
Yeah. Like I'm coming at you, and at the last second, I'm gonna go <laughs> yeah. from the right side of the rim to the left, and then just have like no momentum or power yeah. behind. I don't know. It was, it was really strange. I, it's I, as I if know the first like three dribbles of a possession, he knew he was the strongest, most physical guy in the court, and then like the fourth and fifth dribble of a possession, he forgets. Yeah, he turns into like, me. Yeah, <laughs> when, when I and play, those don't get blocked. <laughs> don't block my shot. Those those numbers are fine. Like, but I think it's because he got fouled so much. You know what I mean? And that is a skill in itself um, that uh, it's not going to count as a field goal attempt if you're getting fouled, right? So then that skews the numbers, and he's playing the SEC, and he's the strongest dude in the court, most likely, and the most physical guard that's in that league. And so he catches a lot of fouls. That's that's great. Um, but I also need you to finish. I need you to finish at the rim a lot. Um, Three-point shot, I don't know what to think about his three-point shooting. Man, It was... Seems like he shoots it with confidence, but also I, after watching, after like the 200th possession heading into the 300th uh, possession, I was like, he's not making this three unless he's fading left. Like a relocate dribble left, like that looks pretty good. And if it's dead on, like he shoots really well dead on. Those are some, those were some, I don't know what arena they play in, but set a trash can on fire like type moments where he's just like, I'm shooting from dead on. There's nothing you can do about this. This is going in. Almost all of his threes, too, were off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he has this kind of weird – I don't really know if it's a hitch or what, but like at the top of his shot, it it almost – the energy transfers from like being like a, a leg-powered mm-hmm. jump shot, just like almost all arm. And so there's kind of like a line drive sort of feel to his shot. And so he just yeah. left a lot of them just short. Um but you know that that could have just been whatever. That could be for a he, lot of reasons. But I, I think at the he had NBA a couple level, shots. He's not gonna, huh? He has like three different style of shots too. Like depending yeah. on where he is in the court. Like in the corner, yeah. it looks different yeah. than it does in the wing, than it does dead on. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, and, and and that'll be you know that'll that'll be smoothed out over time, just with rep, reps and everything like that, and coaching and all that stuff. But uh, he was like the heliocentric player on that team in the way that Luca and LeBron and and Giannis and and Harden is like everything went through him, and I just don't think he's going to be that kind of player in the NBA. Um, I, I just don't. Most of those guys these days are bigger than him. I guess Harden is a similar size comp, and mm-hmm. uh, Edwards is definitely like more explosive than Harden and than Luka. I mean, he's like LeBron, Giannis levels of explosive, uh, but I just don't think he's going to be that player because I'm not sure the playmaking is there. Now, maybe it is. Yeah. He is a pretty good passer, i got to say, and my favorite thing about watching him is that he's a right-handed player, who almost exclusively makes left-handed passes. I just, I just really, I really <laughs> like that. I think that's really cool. It's an idiosyncrasy that I, I, I really, I celebrate. But um, I'm, I'm not sure because of the pull-up shot and everything like that. I think he might be better served playing alongside another guy that can handle a lot of that stuff, and then he can sort of be the alternate second unit kind of guy. I mean, very similar to Oladipo. Basically, he is Victor Oladipo. Like, yeah. imagine, imagine Oladipo, and it. That's a really good or interesting comp, at least, um, because Tom Crean coached Oladipo at mm-hmm. Indiana, and he coached Dwayne Wade at Marquette. I mean, he kind yeah. of – that's been his thing really throughout his career. A lot of the best players that he's coached at the college level are these off guards who can make plays and can do all the stuff that a point guard can do, but are typically maybe better served with a guy that can do a lot of the – really boring grindy point guard stuff on mm-hmm. a possession by possession basis i think uh, i think he's I, the I best fit Edwards, huh? for minnesota i think he's the best fit for minnesota 
Yeah, I, th- I think he's good for Minnesota too. I, I, th- I think that he's really good for almost any team, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But the the questions are real, man. I mean, he likes making steals, but the defensive stuff is sort of iffy, and and the jump shot is. I mean, there's there's a lot of risk, but the reward is just so high that. I think if, if you're a team that just wants potential, then he's got to be the guy because he's just got oodles of it. But um, I I remember the the last guy, and again, you know, I, I don't watch like 25 hours of tape on every player, but the last player that I kind of felt this way about, um, first off, was Dennis. Uh, mm-hmm. But another guy in that same class, in fact, I, on my little scouting report thing, I even wrote Dennis on it. But um, the a guy in that same class that I felt kind of the same way about was Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. actually from from utah he was playing at louisville obviously in college uh on a team with they might have had one other nba player on the roster at the time but for the most part it was like the donovan mitchell show super athletic off guard slash point guard kind of guy who was easily the best athlete on the floor and the most physically imposing player on the floor even at his size and sometimes i think like Mitchell would just like throw himself at the rim just to mm-hmm. see what happens, you know, maybe sure. out of boredom, maybe out of confidence or whatever. And I found that really off putting about his game. Um, but then of course he comes to the pros and is just a, he's just an awesome player. And so I wonder if I, I I'm going to give, I want to give Edwards a benefit of the doubt. Um, having learned my lesson with, with Donovan, because like sometimes the super good athletes and we see it with Luca too, Sometimes they just kind of get bored. I don't know. I just want to like see if they can do it. And in college, the stakes are maybe a little lower. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of see, I see the Victor Oladipo thing, Donovan Mitchell, D Wade, just like the classic off guard, uh, playmaking two guard kind of guy slasher. Um, and I, I think he can be really good. But I also think that if he, you know, if he thinks that he's going to be like just a super mega ultra star uh, from day one, then it might not. You know, I, there's there's a lot of polishing that needs to be done, I think. Yeah, and the number one thing I think you're kind of hitting the edges of is how aggressive is he going to be, right? What's his mentality? Like, Donovan Mitchell's just like a killer. Like, if he thinks he can jump through you and rip the rim off the backboard, like, he's going to try it a couple times this game. Edwards didn't necessarily do that, right? It's like... It's like way less aggressive Dwayne Wade you're trying to watch. And what what sets those guys apart, I think the skill set we're trying to define in Depot, Donovan Mitchell, Dwayne Wade, that style of player is the super physical 6'4 to 6'5 kind of guard that's pretty thick, create angles, but the balance, I think, is for that kind of explosiveness is... It's it, it doesn't exist that, that many places. And I think he has that. Because a lot of his shots, I'm like, why did he pull up right there that 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 had to feel right to him? Like this weird little teardrop or this weird like, you know, going into the lane and the big's waiting there for you and you should just jump through him and like, you know, see if you can rip the rim off and he does this weird little sidestep and I'm like, he he just he's just a super balanced guy with that kind of physicality and that's I mean that's Donovan Mitchell. That's Dwayne Wade. That's all the depot. That's their trick, right? Is I mean, and Luca has a lot of that too, where he's always balanced, um, and he creates these angles with his size. And you don't even have to be like, you know, the fastest guy in the court or the most explosive guy in the court. But Anthony Edwards might be a lot of nights. Um, so I think there's tons of potential. Like there's there's an immediate use for him. Um, 
like right out of the box. I think day one, you could play him at the two, um, and he's going to create buckets for you. Um, maybe it's not super efficient up front, but he's going to figure out ways to be super efficient in the league. And he's, he's pretty fun to watch. Um, I don't, I don't know if he'll go number one, uh, to, to Minnesota, but I honestly think that's the best fit, um, for a guy like him because at Georgia, it's almost like the best athlete on your junior high and high school, uh, football team ends up being the quarterback. Like the best pay, best player that's either a wing or smaller and on an okay to middling meddling uh, college basketball team ends up being a de facto point guard, and he just handled the ball way too much for me. Um, in their like normal run of offense, and that's not his game. Like the ball was just not going where it needed to go a lot of the time. It would just be obvious. <laughs> like guys open over there, or guys one pass away, and you're just like, nope, not happening. So I think some of that pressure needs to be let off of him to truly show what he is when it would plan. I mean, if, if Minnesota is the move, then you'll get a lot of pressure taken off you because D can make plays mm-hmm. and you're going to have wide open driving lanes because towns is a 40% three point shooter. I mean, yep. seems ready made for him, but Minnesota has, they have so many other wings on the team. Yeah. I mean, they got Jared Culver yep. too. A Kogi. Um, they got, oh, what's that? A Kogi. Yeah. And they have layman. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, you're not necessarily going to like, not draft a potential star because you have depth at that spot already. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think he could be a really good fit there. And I think if you roll him, I mean, I don't know about his defense. It's obviously not high marks from a lot of the stuff I watched a lot of the scouting reports I've seen, but if you roll him and Josh Akogi out there at your like two and three, um, and depending on what happens with Malik Beasley, obviously that's a a guy I forgot to say, I was just about to say that too. Yeah. Um, I think that is a really nasty wave of wings that are going to come at you. A lot of physicality, man. A lot of if Ants can play some defense, some defensive intensity. The only thing I worry about with him in terms of being successful overall is classic um, thing that also happened with DSJ, which is how many of the advantages that he has in college translate perfectly to the NBA right? Is he the most physical? Is he the most explosive? Is that body type the 95th percentile body type in the, in the league? Cause sometimes you see guys that that's how they learn how to be good at basketball is their physicality, their explosiveness. And then you get up and you're playing against the men and it's okay. That didn't quite work. Like, you know, I mean, you know, whenever you play in different pickup games, like I can do this crap in this game and get away with it, and then I try to do this crap in this other game, and no, 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 not working. There has tonight. to be like, a, I mean, Dennis is a. I'll go to my grave saying it. Dennis is a talented enough athlete to for that to be his primary weapon in the NBA. But the distinction I think between Donovan and between Dennis, and one of the reasons that that Mitchell's going to make All NBA teams for the rest of his career, is that he has, like you said, that that killer kind of mentality you know I'm going to come at you relentlessly for the whole game and and it's going to be for 40 minutes and by the end of the game I'm going to be bruised I'm going to be more bruised than you but I'm still going to keep attacking mm-hmm. there's no like hesitation or anything he's just constantly coming at you and I think with Dennis that was part of you know the the kind of the criticisms of his game is that sometimes he just tried to be a little too nice with it you know I mean yeah. some you just gotta you just gotta go just attack 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 yeah. and um I think well, that just says that just says a lot about like who you are as an athlete, right? 
Yeah. Like, like Donovan Mitchell is a psycho in the weight room, in practices, in development time, right? That's like the thing. Like, people should have figured that. Utah figured that out pretty quick. That's why they drafted him right there. Um, Ants, I haven't seen it yet with Anthony Edwards, but it might be in there. Like, I, I would, I'd like to talk to the guy. I'd like to see, like, what he thinks his game is. Um, you know, do you want to accentuate what you're good at, or do you want to try and be, like, a three-point shooter type guy? Because I don't think that's the way you become an all-star. I think you lean into, I mean, people are going to always develop their shooting. I'm not saying, like, don't spend any time shooting. But um, lean into the parts of your game that make you completely different than, you know, uh, 96% of the league, uh, if you're Anthony Edwards and that size explosiveness, being able to create angles. And if you take that and you turn it into a relentless guy, that's at the rim that finishes a little bit better consistently. That's a good player, man. That's a really good, valuable player to have. Like the dream of what they wanted Dion waiters to be <laughs> at some point, yeah. you know? And if you can, if you can save up some of that energy for defense too, like you were saying with the wolves, I mean, mm. I'm not sure that Minnesota's a playoff team yet, but if Edwards becomes that guy, and I don't know what's going to happen with Beasley or Culver or whatever, but if they keep all those guys around and Edwards defends like a psychopath and attacks the rim like a psychopath, then they are going to be really, really annoying to play against every single mm-hmm. night because they got three, four wings that can roll out and defend. They got towns where if you give him a foot of space, he's going to drain a three in your face. Russell can do the same thing from 30 feet. They become really, really good and really young, and all those guys are 22 years old, and it's going to be, you know, they could be on the rise pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, if he has the shooting skill set to become that kind of guy, then he's Bradley Beal, right? So I like most of the outcomes that come along with Anthony Edwards. Um, If I roll the dice 100 times on him, I think, like, 70% of it is a legit NBA starter for a long time with some some skill sets that the league is already bending towards. Um, and you've seen the archetypes succeed in the past quite a bit. And so the next thing you do as a scout, as a guy that might take that guy, is you, you check out the mental, you you talk to him, right? You, you see what he's about, you see what his family is about, you see about the background, you do all that kind of stuff, see what he wants to be in the league. And if all those things line up, maybe he's the first overall pick. Yeah, and his worst outcome probably going to still be really good you know i mean he's he's mm-hmm. got a, he's got a lot of talent super athlete uh can score i mean i guess his worst outcome like wiggins maybe yeah maybe i mean and that's yeah. he's really good so mm-hmm. i don't know i mean it's i i think you and i have found uh the number one pick in the the <laughs> yeah. mike and bobby yeah <laughs> dumb draft so so before we wrap up here because i think we've talked about as much as we can talk about uh two guys that played a combined 15 games and then a guy that played on a bad college basketball team um all right so we're gonna label these guys that we talked about as different a problem or a bucket okay okay so can we is those it are the only three or can we no, you could you could be two. I think you could okay. be two. You can't be three. You can't be all three. That's insane. No, I'm um, saying like can can all of them be a problem or is problem just for one player? Like we? No, no. You can okay. you can. It's not it's not exclu- exclusionary. Um, so these are the only these are the three types of players that are in the league though. There's only three, right? Yeah. There's there's the different a problem or a bucket, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. Lamelo Ball, how would you how would you classify Lamelo Ball? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Lamelo's different. 
Okay. Because okay. there are not many players that are mm-hmm. like that that can do any of that stuff. He's just yeah. he's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say different, uh, like parentheses, built for this, right? Yeah. Right. He, well, I mean, yeah. he was. He was. Yeah. He he was definitely built for this. By yeah, the bar. Yeah. Different, built for this, right? Uh, James Weisman, or Wiseman, Weisman. I don't think we've settled officially. Yeah, uh, James he, James Wiseman is a problem for yeah, sure. He's a problem. He's, he's a problem. It's for sure. Big a strong guy. He's gonna have a lot of dunks. Yeah. He's gonna embarrass a lot yeah. of people. He's a he's a big problem. Right. Problem cut from a different cloth. Yes. Okay. Yes, not different. Definitely. Just cut from a different cloth. Okay. Yeah. He's not okay. different though. But the no 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 not yeah. different. That's that's yeah, that's silly. That's silly. No, don't be crazy. Um yeah. all right. Ant Edwards. Oh, he's a bucket. Easily. Yeah, he definitely. 100% Easily, he's a bucket. 100%. He could score 20 points in sleep. He's a bucket. Yeah. He's a walking yeah. bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Living, breathing bucket. He is bucket personified. Paying taxes. Bucket. Eating food. Bucket. Owning a home and land. Bucket. Yep. Just living, breathing bucket. Anthony yep. Edwards. A, a bucket in the, in the, within the ecosystem. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. In the environment, in the bucket environment, a bucket through. And I would also say, you know what? He could be, he could be a problem too. He could, oh, he, he could, could for sure be a problem. I mean, Donovan Mitchell can be a problem. Like Anthony Edwards can be a problem. He's got, a, he's got, he's got problem tendencies. There's yeah. no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it depends depends what day it is, but most days he's a bucket. Some days he's a problem. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Was, well, I'm glad. This, this was tough. This yeah. was tough. This is the most important part of this podcast and any draft prep that we're going to do. So yeah. we're going to do this with every guy. It's oh just my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm, I'm going to need to leave an empty space for that on my scouting report. It's just where the league's going now. Okay. Yeah. It's like whenever they scouted Sam Darnold and it got out that one of the scouts just put bad face <laughs> <laughs> as a quarterback. This, you can't have bad face. This ain't positionless basketball. There's yeah. three positions. So three, there are three positions and I would appreciate it if Tim Cato of The Athletic would redo his starting five from Mavs Media and do the positions properly of different, a problem, a bucket, because he put, like, guard, forward, center, like, what is that? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Wing. Yeah, Yeah, what a nerd. Uh, Anyway, that was fun. Glad we got to uh, talk about uh, two guys that were not super high on. (laughs) One that were like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, they could all be be good. Lamelo has Lamelo has stuff that you can't teach, and so does Wiseman, and so I I, I totally get the appeal. But yeah, he's yeah, different. We we agree on the on the question marks. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, next podcast will be us talking about the rest of the lottery guys up to fourteen, and then one after that will be kind of like fourteen through thirty, where you think the Mavs are going to pick, and we'll kind of spend more time on some of them than other. You know, I'm not going to spend. 20 minutes on all 15 of the guys that we're about to break on next break down next Nine time. hour podcast yeah exactly but we're gonna give you the goods tell you who if they fail to 18 i'm gonna start freaking out about and you know that kind of stuff so that was fun man again this is ceiling is the roof subscribe uh this will be on youtube it'll be a video version audio version it's brought to you by city card bobby thank you for your time man that was fun it was fun mike i'll see you yeah. again soon you're a, you're a bucket. I don't oh, care what anyone says. You're a problem. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Later.